We have uh, spent a, a couple weeks now looking at the miracles of Jesus, and we've looked so far of Jesus helping Peter walk on water, and last week we looked at Jesus healing that man with an unclean spirit or a demon that was inside of him, and today's miracle actually involves a pretty strange law to our modern thinking. It originates way back in the Old Testament, uh, but our story is going to be from the Gospel of Mark. It's going to be in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and turn there. We'll get there in just a little bit. But because of this Old Testament law, it, it made me look up and spend some time researching some of the laws that are still on the books here in Illinois that don't make sense to us today. And uh, so I want all of you to be law-abiding citizens. So if you find yourself in one of these towns, uh, you know uh, the laws there. You're going to be well prepared. For example, if you find yourself in Homer, Illinois, tiny little town, uh, past uh, Champaign area, uh, you are not allowed to use a slingshot unless you are an on-duty police officer. So I guess crime is not that high in Homer, Illinois, so if the police are using slingshots. So in Chicago, I don't know if this is going to be uh, relevant for anybody here, but it's illegal for you to take a French poodle to the opera with you. It is. I don't know why that's on the law, but it is. It's also illegal to fish in your pajamas in Chicago. Shopping at Walmart, completely okay. But fishing, no. All right? If you find yourself in Eureka, Illinois, and you have a mustache, be careful because kissing a woman is illegal for you. Now, the law says don't kiss a woman with a mustache. I'm not, not exactly sure what they mean there. So anyway, <clears throat> in normal Illinois, it's against the law to make a face at a dog. Don't know why, just is. And in Evanston, Evanston Illinois, it's illegal to go bowling in that town, uh, which made me look up, and uh, they're, they're safe. Um, Google tells me that there's 30 bowling alleys within driving distance of Evanston, but there's none in the town, so whew, they're all safe, right? But if, you all, if you're in Evanston, watch your P's and Q's because it's illegal to change your clothes in the car unless it's on fire. These are actual laws still on the book. There's a lot of laws in our country that, that don't make sense to us today. And as we read some of the laws in the, in the Old Testament, there's some Jewish laws that, that to us today don't make a whole lot of sense either. We don't get it. We don't understand it because it's, uh, we're looking at it through the eyes of our culture and not the culture then. And so today's story involves a, a law from Leviticus chapter 19, chapter 15, verse 19, and delicate here, but it, it, it's a law that states that during a woman's monthly cycle, she is considered unclean, and, and no one is allowed to touch her or else they are also considered unclean until that evening. And if that process, see, I'm trying to 
sidestep this a little bit. Um, if that monthly process lasts longer than normal, she's considered unclean through the entire process, and nobody can touch her or else she will make them unclean. Now, I didn't spend a whole lot of time researching this law, okay? But basically, uh, the idea is that blood on the inside is considered clean. Blood on the outside is considered unclean. But it also got me to thinking, it's interesting to me that, that women were considered unclean in this society because of their, their loss of blood for, for basically having a body that works the way that God intended it to and, and doing what it's supposed to do, which means that that woman can create life, but loss by men in battle taking somebody's life is considered honorable, where the women are considered unclean. Just something to think about. But let's go ahead and we're going to meet this woman here before we go any further. And again, this is found, uh, this story can be found in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, but we're going to look at Mark's version, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Let's go ahead and read part of this story. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus fell at his feet, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So we're just going to gonna stop there for a little bit. This, this story uh, is of this woman... Uh, it comes in the middle of another story. Jesus is out and he's traveling with his disciples and he is stopped by a man named Jairus and who asked Jesus to go to his house because his daughter is sick and he knows that Jesus can heal her. And so Jesus and his disciples decide to stop going wherever they're going and instead they walk to Jairus's house and on their way, while they are there, Jesus encounters this woman with the issue of blood. That's what other gospel writers call her. None of them actually give her a name. We found her in town here and she's surrounded by tons of people and the scripture says that as Jesus was walking through the crowd that day, the crowd was so large it, and it pressing, pressing against him. In the Greek, the word that is used there actually means that the, the crowd was starting to smother him. There's that many people. Kind of gives you an idea of just what, what was going on that day as uh, people were trying to get close to Jesus. And here we find this woman. She's risking everything to be one of those that's, that's close, one of those that's next to Jesus. To get closer to Jesus, though, means that she's going to have to push some people out of the way. She's going to have to squeeze herself in between some people. And she's going to have to shimmy through those little breaks in the crowd and make her, her opportunity just to get close to Jesus, and all the while, according to the Levitical law, everyone she touched that day is now unclean as well. Now, we've heard that word a few times, unclean, so 
I think it warrants a, some time for us to take and see what that means. <clears throat> see, the Old Testament, there was a law that separated clean things from unclean things. There were certain activities, there were certain circumstances that would make a person become unclean. Now, when we hear that word unclean, we might think of the word dirty. And it's not exactly what that word meant. It, it meant that that person now needs to be purified before they could get back to a normal Jewish life. They were, un, they were ceremonially unclean, which means they, they weren't allowed to participate in areas of worship. They weren't allowed to go to the temple and worship, among other things. And so um, what are some of the things that might make somebody unclean? What are these? You can take, if you're taking notes, here's just a few of those. Your physical disease, something that you were dealing with, uh, something that you had uh, would cause you to be unclean. Now, some of these laws in the Old Testament, uh, we can kind of see maybe an idea behind these and, and why some of these make practical sense. During this time, they didn't know what germs and, and bacteria and viruses were, and they haven't discovered them, and they didn't know that these were the things that were making people sick. And so, but it makes sense if somebody is sick or somebody has a disease that we wouldn't touch them or else we might get that disease as well. And it's interesting, even though they didn't know that was why or maybe a reason behind that law, if you look at history, you'll find that the Jewish population has made it through, uh, made it through history and not facing as many outbreaks of disease as the other population. And, and this is one of the reasons why. It was one of, their, one of their laws. You couldn't touch somebody with a physical disease. The second one there is touching a corpse. You didn't know what, uh, what killed that person. And, and so that kind of makes sense. We, maybe we can understand that. But then childbirth. Number three, childbirth would make you unclean. Maybe we're starting to get a little bit more confusing here. But uh, for a period of seven days after that birth, that mother and that, that baby were, con were confined and they were considered unclean, which is maybe perhaps God's way of saying, leave them alone. Let the mom and the baby have this time without everybody bugging them. I don't, I don't know, but seems like it could make sense. But there's some other practices that of this clean versus unclean that really don't make much sense at all to us. The number four, the ashes of a red heifer, a young female cow that was used in an offering would make you unclean. And we've mentioned it before, touching anyone that's unclean makes you unclean. But it was more than just that. It, uh, being labeled as unclean brought with it this stigma in this society because there's a fear that whatever made you unclean would make me unclean. And it didn't matter what the reason was that why you were unclean. People probably were going to assume the worst worst about you and and so they just wanted to avoid you for for this woman she had spent 12 years now considered unclean and you may think well no big deal all that means is that she couldn't go to the temple and, and worship she'll just stay home and watch it online right but it's more than that 
she would have had this social stigma uh, on her uh, to where her unclean, her unclean status, people probably knew was caused by a disease. No one would want to catch what she had. They didn't understand it. And so now today we think that most likely that this poor lady suffered from ovarian cancer or something like that, but they didn't know that then, and so people would avoid her. And furthermore, the law stated that if she touched anybody, they too would be unclean. And they were probably a little bit ignorant of this, and they didn't understand it, and they thought, if she would touch me, I will get the same disease that she has. So, but if you touch me, I'm unclean. That means I can't go to the temple. And, and worse yet, I'm going to face the same stigma. I'm going to face the same shame as you. And, but I want to be clean, and I know that you're not. And, and so, therefore, I'm going to go out of my way to avoid you because I don't want what you have. I don't want the disease. I don't want the, the stigma. I don't want the shame. And so, for 12 years... This woman has not had physical contact with others besides these doctors that she has gone and and spent everything that she has. It's all gone. She spent everything trying to find the cure. She's tried everything. She's been to every doctor she can think of. And even if there was another doctor in town, she has nothing left. Everything is gone. There's no money left. And she was desperate. So much so that on this day that we find her, she is making her way through the crowd and she's knowing that everybody she touched is now unclean as well, including Jesus. But after 12 years of suffering, she was obviously desperate, desperate for something to happen in her life. So verse 27 When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Twelve years. That's 4,383 constant days of physical and emotional pain. Twelve years of being a social outcast. 12 years of no human touch. 12 years of not being able to be a proper mother or wife because you can't touch your kids or your husband. 12 years of being a prisoner within her home. 12 years of isolation. 12 
years. But then, but then she heard about Jesus. See, every good story has that turning point in it. And every classic movie or, or, or book has this turning point where all hope is lost, but then. And our story has a but then moment. Uh, it has a but then Jesus moment. And I wonder, I wonder this about this woman. I wonder how she heard that Jesus was in town that day. I wonder who was brave enough to come to the house to, to tell her about a man that, that seemed like wherever he went, he was surrounded by all of these miracles. I wonder the spring of hope that she felt as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming into town and that hopelessness in her life seemed to, to go away but just for a little bit. She had suffered with this disease for 12 years, but then she found out that Jesus is the great healer. For 12 years, she longed for human touch, but then she believed that if she could just touch Jesus, her story would change. 12 years of being an outcast, of being shunned, despised, avoided, rejected. 12 years, but Jesus. But Jesus was worth everything. And Jesus was the, worth the risk of making everyone else unclean. She couldn't miss this chance. I imagine that she probably left her home and she hurried across town. And perhaps as she was running down the street, her, her neighbors would gasp as they saw this woman uh, running down. What is she doing outside? What is she doing? And she, she probably felt her heart sink as she came up and she saw that, that massive crowd of people around Jesus. And she thought, I can't be by all these people. What am I doing? Maybe even she's started to walk back home in defeat, but Jesus was right there. This is her chance. And so making her way through the crowd, she pushed all of those worshipers aside and, and she made it finally within, a, within an arm's reach of Jesus. She right, reached out so that her hand just brushed against the tassel on the garment that Jesus was wearing and whew, she felt the change. She felt the change. Something was different in her body. You know, maybe it was a tingling sensation, a, a warmth that was cursing through her body. And, and she knew at that moment that she had been healed. Verse 33 says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. The whole truth. Can you imagine what she said to Jesus that day? She's no longer unclean. She's made new. In fact, she has been made whole again. I, I don't think she, she stopped with just thank you. Thank yous weren't enough. Maybe she apologized for risking everybody else's ridicule and making other people unclean for making Jesus unclean and then she heard, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And just like that, 12 years, 
but Jesus showed up. There was no need for, for her to go to the temple to, uh, to perform sacrifices or to have some sort of ritual or to obey some sort of complicated law. Jesus proclaimed in one word the deliverance that she was looking for for 12 years, and she was healed. End of story. Nothing else is needed, just faith in Jesus. And see, Jesus could have done anything that moment. He could have chose, to, uh, but he chose to, to turn the spotlight on this poor woman that really all she wanted to do was just to, to touch the hem of his garment and then go back and go home. But he said that's not enough. He wanted her healing to be known by everybody, and we still talk about her today. He wanted everyone to see that she had been healed. He wanted everyone to know that she is now safe. He wanted everyone to know that she is okay to touch. He wanted everyone to know that she is now whole again. See, Jesus just didn't heal her disease. He took, a, he took an ailment away from her, but he added a wholeness back to this woman. And she was freed from the disease, yes, but... She was made whole by her faith. See, Jesus didn't mean she was free from the disease, although, of course, she was. She was freed from this constant heaviness that that disease brought upon her and upon her family. See, we know what, whatever you want to be prayed for today is not just a surface-level prayer. It may not just be, hey, pastors, I want you to pray for, for this ailment or this sickness that I'm dealing with. That sickness, the, the pain, the heaviness of your situation, no matter what it is, has been, been wearing upon you, maybe for years. In just a moment, our pastors are going to come up, up front here, and we're going to offer you this chance to have a prayer of healing. I'm not promising that you're going to feel a, a warm, tingly feeling or warmth go through your body or, or that you feel anything different today. What I am promising you is that the same Jesus that healed that woman years and years ago is here today with us. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 16 says, Anyone who is sick should call the church elders. They should pray for and pour oil on the person in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that is said with faith will make the person, the sick person well. The Lord will heal that person. See, I can't promise anything on behalf of God today. I can't promise you instant healing. I'm not promising anything. But I am promising that God is going to answer prayers the way that he feels best. But I do know that he answers prayer. See, that woman in the story needed healing from a physical ailment, and Jesus certainly did that. But when Jesus told this woman to go in peace because you are freed from your suffering, I don't think it was just the bleeding issue he was talking about. He was talking about everything else that went with it. And he knew that this woman... Even more than, than being healed that day, he knew that this woman 
needed to be restored. This woman needed to be whole. He healed her brokenness that day. And so I'm going to invite our pastors to, to come up front and we're going to pray for you. We're going to kind of stand back here in a, a little bit to offer a semblance of, of privacy. And we're just going to ask if you want to be prayed for today that you would come forward and, and we'll pray for you. We're also going to anoint you with oil as scriptures tell us to. Now, there, there's nothing fancy, there's nothing magical about the oil that we have in a little vial, you know, uh, but we do believe that the oil throughout Scripture is used as a representation of the Holy Spirit. And we don't believe that it is us in any way that is healing you. We believe the Holy Spirit is doing that. We believe that's God. And so we're just going to ask if you would like us to pray for you, if there's a situation, if there's something that needs healing, maybe it's not a physical ailment. Maybe it's more emotional or spiritual or, or something going on in your life that you just say, Pastor, I need you to pray for this. We need to be whole again. Today is a good day to be healed. I'm just going to ask that you would close your eyes for just a moment as we, as we pray. And if you feel like you would like one of us to, to pray for you, and I know we have pastors Joel and Carolyn here and, and Pastor Barrick here, I, I bet you they would be willing to pray for you as well. And If you would like someone to pray for you, just, uh, just asking that you would stand up and, and come forward and we would be glad to do that. But let's pray together corporately. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you still are our great physician. You still are the one who heals even today. Lord, today we are going to bring you ailments. We are going to bring you pains and uh, things that are uh, keeping us from being the person that we want to be, maybe even that you need us to be. And Lord, we're going to lay them down into your hands today. Lord, may this be a day where we walk into the sanctuary one way, but we walk out of the sanctuary new and whole and complete once again. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, why, why everybody is, why people are coming up here to, to be prayed for, could we just pray for them from our seats? If, if we didn't come up, could we pray for them as well? we pray, Lord, that a miracle could happen because you decided to show up. We love you, Jesus, and we believe that you are the miracle worker. You are the healer, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.